Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, it's a game day between the two most disappointing teams in the National Hockey League. The Ottawa Senators wrapping up their five-game road trip against the Buffalo Sabres. And we have best friend of the show, Mark Mathot, back on. To say the Ottawa Senators have struggled since his last appearance would be an understatement. Great conversation. He's on for the whole show. His 18th appearance right here on Locked On Senators. That's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 957 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains and Mark Mathot out in Manitick. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat over 50 infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code locked on to get a $20 off your first order. That's jacemedical.com. You can also follow the show on social media. We're at Send Central on Twitter, locked on.senators on Instagram. The show is free and available on all podcast platforms, including on YouTube, where a like, comment, and subscription go a long way to helping the show grow. Today is Thursday, January 11th, and Pillsy. I looked up the record that the Sens have since we last had our guest on, and it's not great, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, it just speaks to the fact that uh, we need to rally around more meth interviews. We we got to have them on more often. Otherwise, things just fall out of place, and the Ottawa Senators continue this downfall. Meth, how uh, have you been able to distance yourself from this, or have you been staying in the mix here with this tire fire that is the Ottawa Senators? I thought they were pretty good for long periods of time in that game. And then obviously things sort of unraveled as usual in, in classic sense fashion in the third period, which is unfortunate. But um, no, I've been pretty busy with hockey with my son. We had a tournament on the weekend and we were in Dominican uh, just before the break as well. So I've been kind of back and forth, but um, I've got a cluster of games to cover here moving forward. I'm, I think I believe I'm doing Saturday, Tuesday. And I think Thursday, I forget when they play those next three games. But in any case, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I mean, I've been reading comments on Twitter. And it's like we're running out of ways here to dissect what's going on with the group. And yeah. I'm I'm starting to get a little long-winded in my responses. I mean, I'm kind of repeating myself, or at least I'm catching myself doing that. I did a hit with Overdrive yesterday. Same sort of thing where I think everybody's just scrambling at this point, right? Like trying to find who to point the finger at trying to identify what the issues are. And, um, I think there was one takeaway for me that obviously we're going to get into this deeper, but my one takeaway takeaway would be that it's not just one small issue or rather one large issue. There's a lot of different variables that are factoring into these struggles that we're seeing. Usually that's the case. Um, but I guess the point that I'm trying to make is this isn't something that they're going to solve overnight which no fan wants to hear. But the last time we had you on, they had just won three of their last four games. The one loss came against Toronto, the game where 
I mean, you can try to forget it all you want, but we saw you in that blue jersey. They deserve to win that game. They outshot the Leafs like 40 to 20. And then that three to four stretch, they beat a couple of good teams there as well. The New York Rangers and then the beatdown on the Detroit Red yeah. Wings on the road. Since then, man, three wins in 14 games. The six-game losing streak prompted the coaching change. They've had, you know, everything except for the players on the ice have changed. Is that something that you're already looking towards right now, or is it something where in season it's a little bit difficult to make a, a major move like that? Well, you guys you guys know how I roll typically, right? I, I usually downplay a lot of issues. You know, I, I do think that people have a tendency to – um, you know, get a little too fired up at times and, and maybe jump the gun on a specific thing. I thought that was the case early on with DJ. I think in the end, we all agreed that it was time for a change. That's fair. Um, but I think at this point now, although it is a young group, they've, you know, they've strung together a couple seasons together here. As, as, and and I, we'll break it down a little further. But I mean, I think the excuse that this is a young team still carries a little bit of weight but it doesn't excuse the way they've been performing this season, right? Like, so two things can be true there. And then, um, and I, I always look at guys like Tim Stutzler, for example, a player that's struggling right now to kind of find it, but it's not from lack of effort. And I know he wears it. He wears the emotion. You can see it on camera. I'd love it if they put an end to that, um, you know, but, but again, he's young, he gets emotional. He wants to succeed. So I, I feel for him. So there's, there's players like that, that are, that are in one right now. Yeah. I think if I'm trying to find a positive, it's that these guys are all learning now. Like nothing comes easy in this league, right? Like you can't take a night off. You can't take a couple games off. I'm not implying that they're not going out there and, and not putting in the effort, but you know, th it's a team game and you can't skill your way through victory every night or every other night. You really do have to figure it out and win collectively as a group. And when I say that it's doing all those little things that we always stress about. So right now I feel, I feel for the group. They look dejected. They look upset. Um, I bet you that rink, like just being a former player and being in those environments, especially when I played in Columbus for, we made the, we made the playoffs one year that I was there, but we got swept, but typically we had a bad team. And when you're around that locker room and you start losing and losing some more, and then everybody starts getting hypercritical of your play and you're reading it in the media, especially nowadays. I mean, like what we're doing here, I think. Um, it, it can really wear on you. And then you stop kind of the joy gets sucked out of the game and you just don't look forward to going to, to the rink anymore. Like even a practice day, which typically are stress-free days. Th those to me were like some of my favorite times. You go in on, a, on an off day where you're not playing. You have a normal skate. Everyone's happy. There's, there's energy around the room. Right now, players are conscious of that. They don't want to be too loud in the dressing room. They don't want to be laughing and joking around when they see the coaching staff walk by. That sucks. It's not fun. So... I mean, we can get into it now as far as what you guys think's going on, but I mean, I, I just I feel for the group and what they're be, what they're dealing with right now. It's not a good scenario. Now, Matt, this new ownership group and the new executives—they come in with the the mantra "best in class stability." Those are their two big buzzwords, right? This yeah. team has probably been worst in class, and there hasn't been a lot of stability. They talked about how hey, we want to have DJ Smith spend the rest of the year here. There's a material change. He's got to go. They even hold on probably longer than they should. We want to have a two-headed monster in Pierre Dorian and Steve Steos as president of hockey operations, general manager. Material change. The Pinto thing was the, or sorry, the Dadanov thing was the last straw. Dorian's gone now. That new coaching staff coming in. Like, 
are the players sitting or from your opinion, do you think players are sitting there being like, okay, they've already gassed the general manager. They've already gassed the coach things. They said they weren't going to do. Are they going to be looking at some of the core players that are locked up and saying, Hey, we did, we inherited these long-term contracts. We don't necessarily think one or maybe more of these guys is the right fit for a long term in the future. Do you think players are, are with those contracts or looking at each other and talking to each other being like, Oh man, They've talked about stability, but they've went against that twice now with the coach and the general manager. Maybe one of the core guys are next to be moved out of here if we don't turn the ship around. Yeah, well, that that in itself um, is inevitable when you lose as much as you do as much as they have been. And yeah. um, you know those discussions that you mentioned, although they're not exactly having that conversation every day. But I think from like a self-awareness point of view, you just know, like that's just the way the dominoes fall, right? Your coach is usually the first guy to go. Even if it's even if it's strictly a buy-in issue or the players are at fault or there might be a couple guys, the coach is always the first guy to go. That's the easy play. Um, but now, as you guys, you mentioned there, Pilsy, I mean, you, you change out the coaching staff. You've got a new general manager now, or at least he's assigned himself general manager and you've got some new staff. I think at this point, if you're in that leadership group specifically, I mean, they're taking some heat right now and they're very much aware that one of their buddies could be shipped out at any moment, right? You talk about new ownership, best in class. They're going to do everything they can to make sure that the fan base is settled. They don't want to lease season ticket holders. They want everyone to renew it. They want everyone coming back into the building next year. So they're going to have to make a move because I think for me right now, like, and and, and I'm just going to speak from like a fan's point of view. I, I'm a fan also. Things just feel stagnant now, and you're in those dog days where you know the deadline's still months away. Yep. You know, you're still almost halfway through the season, and you're already somewhat out of it. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that. So, yeah. what do you do? You got to do something because the status quo is not working, right? And 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 fans just inevitably lose interest. And that's just that's just the reality of pro sports. So I think I think there's weight there as far as one of those core pieces going away. And I'm looking at guys like Thomas Shabbat. I'm looking at players like Josh Norris, maybe Drake Batherson. You know, like there's there's and I, I'm sure I could go down the list. You know, there's the obvious ones, the older players, but I'm talking core guys right yeah. now. And so that's scary. That's scary for a player, that uncertainty. So now you're going to go to the rink every day to go to work, do your thing, work in games, and that looming uncertainty of what your future holds and where you might end up in a couple months from now, that plays games with you a little bit. So, um, you know, there's one thing that can solve that. It's string together a couple wins. That smooths everything down. Although we're not dumb as fans, we know that the season is pretty well a write-off at this point. You know, we have short memories, especially nowadays, right? We're all on our phones all the time, updating shit, constantly scrolling on Twitter, I think ultimately you string together a couple wins as a group and the conversation just cools down a little bit more again and you can get back to work. But nothing changes until you get to that point. And every game, I mean, when you're at the bottom of the barrel, every game's a challenge. You know, like everyone else is yep. pl pretty well playing better than you are. So um, again, I know I'm repeating myself. I'm not envious of this group right now. It's probably not a pleasant room to be in. I still think, I don't know where you guys stand on this. Like if you were to move a player out right now, do you do it now leading up to the deadline or do you just kind of hold things down for a little bit thinking you might get more value in the summer? And then I'll add one more question to that. And then who is it like in your mind for both of you, who would you move out right now? And what's the target that you're looking for? Who are you bringing in? 
It's his third year in broadcasting, and he's already mastered the tease. We'll answer those questions next. You're listening to Locked On Senators, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Mary J's. Guys, Mary J's is a locally owned cannabis dispensary in the Ottawa area. It started off with three best friends making a life-changing decision, and they opened their first store in Kingston. And through hard work and dedication, they now have four stores in Ottawa and a store in Coburg. The Ottawa locations are... Riverside South, Orleans, Greeley, and Russell. Lots of spots to help you out because Mary J's offers the absolute best and newest products in the market with new additions to the menu every single week. They got everything you need, whether you're a rookie or a grizzled vet. Mary J's offers competitive pricing. In fact, they will price match any store in Ottawa. That means you are guaranteed to get the best price around at any of Mary J's locations. But The key is good service, and Mary J's offers the best customer service by having the friendliest bud tenders who are always ready to assist. One of the owners, Dashy, absolute beauty, diehard Sens fan, he is ready to help you out at any of the four locations. So say what up to Dashy, pick his brain about how the Sens are doing, and all the newest, latest, greatest products at Mary J's. Check it out today, guys. Mary J's Dispensary. Today's episode is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, I know, we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. But can we just talk for one minute about preparation? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right now in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone I cared about got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from life-saving medication. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illness, including respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. That's $20 off with code locked on at jacemedical.com. All right, back to locked on Senators here on a game day. Senators in Buffalo wrapping up a five game road trip, one that they are. Still winless on. Um, we're here with Brandon Piller and, of course, Mark Mathot. Pilsy, you want to take a swing at mess comments there? Those were some pretty, pretty, um, you know, big hitter questions right there. Yeah, to right off the top, I think if you're going to trade a core guy with big term, big money on his deal, I think it's got to be in the summer. Those deals are just so hard to get done in season. Teams are up against it on the cap. They haven't really planned out how their team's going to look like. I feel like teams like to get through the draft and kind of have that set before they make those big big moves. So I would wait till the summer, which is painful. It just means more waiting for the Sens. And yeah, we talked about it, Matt. And uh, I'll preface this by saying it pains me to say this, and I don't want to do this, but I do think you are going to have to move one of those core pieces with uh big money big term left on their deals thomas shabbat his no trade clause kicks in july 1st so 
you got to be aware of that at least. I think that's something to be to note. Uh, and then Josh Norris, uh, I I don't know if he fits into this team long term with just the the style of play. And then you look down the middle, you got Timmy Pinto, Greg, and then if you want Cassie as your fourth liner there, like you you can make it work down the middle. But I'm not sure how many teams are as excited about Josh Norris as the Senators and Sens fans were when he was gifted that contract. So those are tough moves to make. And I'm not sure one of those guys is necessarily the right answer. Again, I don't yeah. want to move any of those guys. I envisioned a plan where all these guys locked up, stayed and had success together. But like, how can you, how can you still believe that after what we've seen here? Yeah, it's, it's tough. And and just further to that with Thomas Shabbat's contract, it was very backloaded. So in the final four years of an $8 million average, He's making almost $10 million a year. He's getting paid 38 out of the $64 million total over the next four seasons. So that doesn't make it very, uh, you know, impressive for other teams to be sniffing around. Josh Norris, man, I keep coming back. And we were so excited about that contract when he signed. He's coming off a 35-goal year in 66 games. But this just felt like a classic bridge deal, looking back hindsight, where a guy who had injury troubles in college and, had injury troubles the season where he still signed the contract at the end of it. Like, yeah, uh, I, I know looking back, methods it's hindsight 2020 on all kind of trades for sure contracts, all that, but that one's not aging great as it stands. No. Now. And, and, and <laughs> it's funny. Cause yeah, you're right. We're floating around all these names and I, I, I feel like we need to add, this isn't us demonizing any particular player. We're exactly. We're, yeah. When you're like, like we've all been traded. I've been traded every great well, I'm not a great player, but every other great, even great players have been traded. That's essentially the point I'm trying to make. I don't want that to get mean. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think for me, you know, I, I need to make that clear. We're not, we're not dumping on players. I think it's just, you're trying to find a player that you feel doesn't necessarily fit in the mix anymore with this group and, or still has somewhat value and you can bring in a quality player in return. So yeah, like I, I think you look at Shabbat, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of money to eat for a player that maybe is going to continue to regress a little bit. We don't know for sure. We don't have a crystal ball and same with Norris. I mean, right now, and I think that's why Norris is getting floated around a little bit is well, a he's been hurt so much and that's, he may come back to form who knows, but when you've got Timmy Stutzla, Ridley, Greg, you've got Pinto in the mix. who will probably be actually in that second slot, I should say. And then Castellic, like I'm pretty comfortable right now with that, with that, Awesome, right? I mean, like that's yeah. that's a that's pretty good center depth, really. If you think about it, if you're looking around the NHL, assuming that Greg and Pinto are what we think they're going to become, like that's all that's that's incredible. So here's an opportunity. Now the only the only kicker here is that you need a player like Norris to pick it up a little bit, right? Like you need him to string together some games, get a little bit of buzz around him. If in fact you are planning on trading him, and then I think when we talk about returns, I mean for me, and we can go around the table quick. Like for me. And I mentioned this on Overdrive. I'd like to see a veteran guy. Like, let me let me restart that. I think more importantly, the team needs character. They need like a like, and I'm not talking about some meathead or some toughness, not even that. Just a good vet. Bring in a good, competent veteran, whether it be up front or on the back end. I don't really care at this point. Just have another guy, another voice. Because you've got Giroux. He's your guy, but he's on his own. He's sort of on an island, right? Because Tarasenko, as I mentioned again yesterday. Tarasenko is not a raw, raw guy. I don't think I could be wrong, but he's not, a, he's not, I don't get the sense that he's like a long-term commitment to the Ottawa senators. That's just a no. feeling. So, 
So you want a guy that's all in, that's coming in and wants to help turn this thing around. And so uh, you're looking for those the, those gritty guys like a, like a Barclay Goudreau or <clears throat> a Travis Konechny, like a guy that can come in, can play t- a good two-way player that's got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of compete in him. I feel like the team needs a little bit of that infusion up front. And the back end's too thin and soft. I mean, I know I've said this a million times, and I'm not saying any particular player is soft. I'm I'm not a tough guy when I played. I'll admit that. But I played very hard, and I tried to make life difficult for my opponents. Yeah. That was my role. Ottawa is missing that element. And I've been saying this. I've been knocking on this door now for like four years. I think I'm yeah. finally being vindicated for this. If, if anybody has half a brain watching, you can kind of see it, right? So I think you've got an abundance of left-handed shots on the back end. We all know this, No, especially with Clevin coming in. You have to do something here. And the only real body, I mean, I think the conversation, this is where my question is to you guys. Who would you bring in first, a forward or a defenseman? And second, if you had to pick between Shikrin and or Thomas Shabbat, of those two, who would you move? Well, I've taken Jacob Chikrin. That's that's the guy who brings more offense and is yeah. probably a bit That's better defensively as well, right? Like Agreed. he he has he has the ability to to have like an A plus tool. Whereas for Shabby, it feels like, and I don't know if it's just DJ wearing him into the ground with those thirty minute per, uh, year after year where he's leading the league in ice time, but it feels yeah. like everything he does is to conserve energy out there because I don't know if he thinks and knows that he's going to play so much. It's crazy. I think I think there's weight to that argument, but he's also not super dynamic. Right, like if you watch his stride, his first couple steps, like when you watched Eric play, like even Eric. I mean, I, when I say when he was in his prime, he just won a Norris Trophy, so you never know what you're yeah. going to get. But, but when Eric and other players of that caliber on defense, you know, like a Quinn Hughes or a Macar, and I know those are outliers, but you have to have those first couple explosive steps, and that gets you out of trouble because the skill set's already there. They can already lug the pill around, but it's it's skating out of trouble here and there on transition. Thomas Shabbat is very smooth. And when he's yeah. got speed and he's got enough time and space to build up that speed, that's when he looks really good in open ice up in the neutral zone, carrying the puck up. But I find he loses, he doesn't have that same dynamic first couple steps. And then I'll go one further. I, I don't think he's got the shot, right? Like he, it's just not, I mean, his numbers would back that up if he did, right? Yeah. By the way, and I feel, I, I hate that I always have to tiptoe around this. I love Shabby as a player. He's a fantastic human being off the ice and he'd help yep. any team. I just think that based off the personnel we have right now, to add to that last point, I think he's the guy that might have to go. I just worry about what the return might be there. Like, you obviously don't want to just give him up, but mm-hmm. at some point, you have to make a move here. I mean, this is this formula is not working. You know, no one's coming, no one else is coming in to help right now other than maybe Clevin. So and it's Pinto. like, they got yeah, Pinner coming no, back. Of course, of course. But I mean, on the back end, yeah. it's like, you know, you have to make a move here. So I don't know how you guys feel about all that, but I would go for a right-handed shot defenseman, a legitimate top four guy. He doesn't have to be a mutant. You know, I always I always push on that, bring in some big rangy guy. I would like that. I would like a guy that could come in and just put out fires, whether he's paired with Chikrin or, or, or Sanderson, I don't know, because you've got Zub. But even Zub, he's not a very imposing person. You know what I mean? Like he's not so so very good defensively, but like there's injury issues now with some of these guys on the back end. So you don't know how many games you're going to get out of them. So it's so bloody complicated. There's so many different things happening right now that you have to hyperanalyze all of it. I bring in a right shot defenseman, a legitimate top four guy. You'll say, well, who do you bring in, Matt? I don't know. 
I'm not scouting. I'm not going around the NHL watching teams, but that's where you have to do your due diligence and identify players. Jersey did it, did a fantastic job bringing a couple guys in. Vancouver's added a couple players. You got to be bold. You have to be bold. It's, it's, it's a hyper-competitive league. Everyone's paying attention. Everyone's scouting. You got to identify a couple guys and go after one when you think he's available. And for example, Vancouver adding Philip Hronick at last yeah. year's deadline in a buyer-type move, even though they were in Ottawa's position, they were kind of out of it. Right, and they, and right. Yeah. Like they, they brought in, I'm not saying Zadorov's a, a Norris Trophy winner or, or that we need Zadorov. I'm just saying they did what they had to do. They've changed, they've completely changed the culture of that back end. Mm-hmm. That now, when you're a forward and you're looking, you're looking across this, you're thinking, holy shit, like this is what I have to play against tonight. <laughs> like they might not kill me, but they're not going to give me a lot of time and space. And so sometimes you have to make those moves. And I, I don't think Ottawa's far away. I think they're one other piece on the back end and maybe one other piece up front. And then you just got to figure out a system that they can all buy in with. And that's something that has to happen maybe over the summer into camp next year. But it wouldn't hurt to start now. Because if this season's a wash, now's the time. Start working on stuff. Like, you know, at this point, who gives a shit? Just just work on your systems. Try to implement something that everybody can do and play. And then that'll carry over into the summer, into the next season. And you've already got your base. That's where I stand. Yeah, I mean, they're at a point where they can punt the season and just start playing for next year, unfortunately. Um, Matt, I think that's the general consensus. Like, most people are like, okay, move some of the expiring contracts out in Tarasenko, Kubelik, bring no in a veteran yep. character forward. That's going to be a minor change, nothing huge. If you do move a core piece, whatever assets you get or in that return, make it be a right shot defenseman. That's where that's going to be the most expensive asset to get. That's where you're really going to want to bolster things. You, you can jump in here if you want, Matt. I, well, I no, I was just going to say, just to your point, point on the point demons, on I, I meant, yeah, I meant to add like the experiment has failed. Like it just doesn't work. Like playing on your, playing on your offside. I know people were, yeah. we were trying to tiptoe around it initially. And, and I know some people can do it. Some players can handle that. It's not working here. I mean, just look at the play. So, I mean, you know, you might have some of these nice pieces, but it just it just won't work. And that's why it's so critical to, to, to construct your back end properly because you don't see it up front. I mean, typically speaking, you've got everyone on their natural sides on the wing. It should be no different on defense. In fact, I would argue it's probably more important on defense to play, play on your natural side because your perspective changes all over the ice. You've been doing it for like 25 plus years as a player with the same sight lines. Now, all of a sudden at the highest level in the world you want that player to play on the opposite side it's just it's it's unnatural and it's it, it's a debt it's it works against your play so i mean again like i said you got to figure that out that to me is a big issue right now there and you guys yeah. mentioned as well getting rid of some of those expiring deals that's a no-brainer too i'm actually comfortable with castellick on a fourth line at center right now i think he just needs another skilled guy you saw with brandstrom injected there that was a nice little change versatility yeah, and 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 I I'll finish my point because I know I'm rambling a lot, but but that fourth line to me have been more consistent than any of the other top six guys <laughs> over Especially the last couple years. games. Yeah. Right? That's what I mean. Like like in the very short period of time, of course, but they're doing their job. To me, it's your right now. It's your top dogs. They're not performing. No, now, they aren't. Wait, I just I just want to finish this though. So let's let's say ideal world. You you get your character guy up front. You get your right hand shot defenseman. Yeah, but does any of that matter if you have some of the worst goaltending in the I entire just, league? I was just going to talk about that too. I was going to ask you guys how you feel about Corpusallo. Like, what do you? I, I I fight with this because 
you know, you're watching the games and and there's like an egregious turnover that's happening inside the blue line or something that shouldn't happen. Like Park and I love Parker Kelly, but like a little 10 foot sauce pass to your centerman, like maybe stay within your toolbox and go out. But again, I love Parker and I hope he's a longtime NHL player. But those things can't happen. And when they do happen, and then they end up scoring a goal and we're all kind of waving our arms at the goalie. It's like I don't know. I just I know you need saves, but I mean, if there's no coincidence that no goalie has looked good here since Craig Anderson. I mean, is that, yeah. is that, a, is that a coincidence? I don't know. No, that's and, and as soon as they leave, they're great. Right? And before they got here, Cam Talbot, all-star season, senator season, all-star season. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what more? I mean, again, I, I'm not always dependent on numbers, but like, how do you argue with that? So, I agree. It's it's been inconsistent in goal, but it doesn't help when their confidence is shot because they're getting shelled every other night or whatever it may be. So, I, I tread very carefully with being overly critical of our goaltending because I think until you solve everything else in front of them, and I'm not just talking about the decor. I'm talking about like forwards coming back, tracking back properly, being in those right spots. Like that's that all supports your goaltender. Yeah, all that positioning. Yeah. I mean, who was it the other night? Was it Hannafin that basically walked down Main Street? Yeah. A little, back, a little backhand, a backhand flip. works. Yeah, that was five on five. Yeah. yeah, that was that was five. Like, like I had to double take. Like, I had to look it again on the video. Like, I thought Otto was killing a penalty initially because I missed. I that was one goal I missed, and I don't go back and watch it. And I'm like, there are five guys on the ice. That that just that's inexcusable. Inexcusable to say the least, man. And a few more of those goals are like that. But TSN put up a um, a graphic, and and I think Corpus Allis let in ten goals in the first ten minutes of games oh, this year in I fifteen. Know. And that doesn't that just deflate you? You know what else can deflate you? Losing to bad teams. The game day against the Buffalo Sabers. Then they've got the San Jose Sharks on Saturday. We'll get into that briefly next. You're listening to Locked On Senators, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Sleeper. Guys, if you want to win 100 times your money, you heard me right, 100 times your money, play daily fantasy hockey on the Sleeper app, available for our friends in the States. As the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network, Sleeper is our top choice for all daily fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey. Did I mention you can win 100 times your cash in these contests? And what I love about the Sleeper app is they've got a great group chat option. You can let all your buddies know, hey, I got a big week. You talk some smack when you win. And entries can be made in less than a minute. Right away, you can get your picks in. With studs like Brady Kachuk, Chloe Giroux, Jake Sanderson, Drake Batheson, all you need to do is pick stats for these stars. You can choose stats like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus. You heard me, Sens fans. 100 times payout on Sleeper. So start paying attention and get your picks right so you can win big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Only available for our friends in the States for now. Game day, 7 o'clock puck drop in Buffalo. The Ottawa Senators looking to get off of a four-game losing streak. Only three wins in their last 14 games, but the problems run deeper than a game here or a game there. Meth, have you ever had a, a mid-season coaching change during your career? Oh, boy. Um, my memory is so foggy with this stuff. You'd think, And some guys could just write, like rifle it off to you right away with an answer. I think... I think we lost. Um, did we lose Hitch? 
Ken Hitchcock in Columbus maybe was fired midseason, and then um, was it Scott or Neil that came in? I forget now. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah I've been through it for sure. I, I can't. I wish I would could be more specific, but um, it it should give the group an immediate jolt. I mean, anytime you make a change, it's like it doesn't matter who you're hiring. Like for the first ten games, you'd expect like a surge. At, at um, least the first one, Matt. Like I think in. As far as my recent brain can remember in professional sports history, not just hockey, every single team wins their first so, game with the new head coach. I every know. team except the Ottawa it's, Senators. It's, 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 it, almost, it almost coincides with – it's very similar, rather, to you know being traded to another team. And it's almost like those first games, that, that newly acquired player always scores a goal or has a huge night, right? Like it's just so yeah. common. Um, and that's like adrenaline and playing above and beyond your, your, your capabilities. But – I, I, with this group, and, and this, I guess, is like the question I'll ask myself. It's like, have we just kind of overhyped this group? Like, did we just think, you know, after all those signings and the summer of Pierre and, and all that stuff, like, did we just think that we had a much better team than we in fact had at the time? I I don't know. I, I, I'm at a loss for words at this point. And like, you look at special teams, look at, look at, look at the huge dive. And it was, and, and this is, this is the weird thing. It's not just, on the power play or on the PK, it's both. Both saw both ends have taken a massive hit. I mean, they went, I think I have it written down here somewhere. You guys must know. Yeah, they were eighth on the PP and 14th on the PK last year. That's that's pretty good considering they didn't make the postseason, right? And then yeah, it's solid. this yeah. year, their power play went from eighth to, I believe, around 24th right now. Penalty kill took a dive almost to the basement at 31st. They are 31st. 32nd right now. No, they're 32nd now. There you go. So I stand corrected. They're even worse. So that alone is alarming. And oftentimes, especially with a penalty kill, goaltending is important, sure. In fact, well, it's, it's critical. But it's also, you know, having the right personnel and effort and second effort and blocking shots and commitment. And so that's where, you know, I, and I hate questioning players' commitment to the game and winning, but that's an area right there. Like, like, like for example, if you look at their depth, typically speaking – you know, two like if you're looking at your forwards that are killing penalties, you know, it's it's typically your role guys, right? So like a, your your third line guys for sure are killing penalties. You've got Kubalik, you've got the Riddler right now at least, and Tarasenko on your third line, if you want to make that argument. I know it's always switching around. Like, I don't think Kubalik or Tarasenko are penalty killers. No. You know, and then Parker Kelly, okay. He could become a very good penalty killer. He still has a lot to learn, I think. And it's not McEwen or maybe Kastelik, but McCastelic's very stiff out there. And I don't think he's fluid enough or quick enough of a skater to get in the right positions all the time. I think that might change. We'll see. So my point is, it's like, who's killing penalties for you? You don't really have any bona fide killers up front right now. Not, not off the top. I know Claude can be a good killer at times. And sometimes you'll see players like, like Matty Joe, obviously he's got great speed. But you don't really have four guys that I look at right away, maybe outside of, of, of um, Joseph. Same applies to the back end. Yeah. Like, Chikrin, Chikrin's got the big bomb, but I still see some holes defensively. Um, and that's an easy critique, and, and, and I don't think too many people would argue there. But you don't have any standout guys. So and, and they don't have enough size, and size is huge when you're killing penalties as a defenseman with your range and poke check and stick work. So... That's just a your special teams are a direct reflection of the issues that you have in the construction of your lineup. So it, it's easy to, to to identify. Like you can see it. And it, it shows up in, in all the other stuff, in all the other metrics. So anyway, 
a lot of issues right now. Again, I'm grateful that you guys allow me to rant like this because I can just go on and on forever. But I mean, I, I guess the overall point I'm making is I'm not, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of changes here until the end of the season as far as gameplay goes. I think they're going to struggle for the most part up until the end of the season. And then hopefully they have a big summer and can make some big moves. Yeah. If there's I, one thing that you're focused on, though, what is it? Like, what should fans be clinging to for for whether it's hope or whether it's just you know something to hang their hat on for the rest of this season? Well, nostalgia. <laughs> you can't sell win, sell hope. Or if you can't sell hope, sell nostalgia. That's the recipe. You know, and <laughs> exactly. And I think, I think, I think from a fan's perspective. I think you just want to see the effort at home, right? Like you don't want to see any like bonehead plays that cause goals and end up in the back of your net. I think if they're if the games are competitive, especially in front of the live crowd, I think fans can live with that. It's the heartbreaking up you're up three one or three two going into the third period and getting shelled and letting allowing four unanswered goals. That would be nice to avoid because that's just dejecting. And demoralizing for a fan, right? Like you just don't like that. It's it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you leave the ring. So I think just play competitively, play passionately. Um, you know, stick up for each other out there. Maybe attempt, and this is probably going to come from your coaching staff. Just maintaining a good system, focus on defense, and maybe bring some call ups up. Like you know, if there's some players that in this lineup that you know for sure aren't going to be around next season, like make some moves, shed some salary, bring up some players from the American League, see what they have, go from there. But my only hope for this season is that the Belleville Sens. They're seven and zero in their last seven games. I want to keep that rest. I want to dismantle that, right? Yeah, no. like you want to yeah. let them continue to play in that winning environment because God knows they're not getting it up here. So there, that's a great counter argument by by you there, Ross. It's like why 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 ruin a good thing? They did that in Columbus when we had a pretty good uh, team down in Syracuse. They let a lot of us stay down there and focus on winning, and it helped created a, a competitive atmosphere. That's what this group needs. Well, like to me, the most mind-boggling thing, other than what you mentioned, the the lack of structure in terms of like Parker Kelly thinking he should be making those types of saucer passes, and not to pick on him because he's actually been one of the better players. Yeah, he's been Jacques one of the Martin. better players. Yeah, but like the the home versus road splits to me make absolutely no sense. And even overall, when the Senators get a one nothing lead, when they score first in a game, they have a 50-50 chance of winning. They're eleven and eleven right. when they're when they have a head start, a one goal lead on the road. That falls to two and five. And then this is even more mind-boggling. When they're leading after two periods, they're eight and zero at home and three and four on the road. They have a losing record when they go into the third period with a lead on the road. Oh, yeah. Like, not good. how do you know. that's a that's gotta that's, be a mindset thing, no? Yeah, it is because and 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 I guess that goes back to my first point about like, you know, that losing environment. That that just becomes normal. I mean, you look at this group, like we talk about the core, that's going to be a buzzword that we're going to be probably using quite a bit for the next couple months going up to the trade deadline. So people get used to that. But but when you're around that environment and these guys have only been around that since they've come into the NHL. I mean, really, they haven't had a winning season and um, you know, they they've they've kind of almost learned to lose games and and I I don't say that lightly. I mean that sincerely. And I think until you inject a little more compete into that lineup and change the culture up just a little bit, a couple little tweaks here and here. This team is going to struggle to close out games. And, and I mean, it's, I I've, that's a captain obvious moment. I mean, the, the numbers back that they've been playing that way all year. I mean, how many times have they squandered leads like two to three goal leads? I mean, it's almost comical. So, um, you know, I'm not pointing the finger at any particular player for that. 
I think it's just a collective issue. It's how they play as a group. It's supporting each other. Like it's, it's giving a shit, right? Like if, if I'm a defenseman and I'm going to the corner to get a retrieval and I'm under pressure, there's two four checkers coming in or whatever. Like if you're a forward or you're the D partner, like you need to learn to give a shit about that player. You need to support me. I mean, get your ass back into the zone, get below the, go- the, the, the ring out line that like what we call the ring out line. That's invisible. It's the top of the, the circles in the D zone, get in low, be that low support guy, call for the puck, want the puck. Don't be scared. And, um, I think they're just not supporting each other enough. It's it's and that's t- that all ties into the buy-in that we talk about when it comes to the defensive side of the puck. And I put so much stress on the defensive play, not because I'm a former D-man, but because we know this team can score. Yeah. Offensively, this team is gifted. They've got the skill set up front. It's just it's the buy-in on the defensive side. And if you're not going to come all the way back and support your your line mates when they're under pressure, that just creates cycles and long time a lot of time spent in the D zone, then your legs get burnt. Then guess what? The next shift comes up. You're kind of tired. So instead of maybe taking the blue line in the offensive zone, you might dump it now because you don't have the legs to go get it or challenge a defenseman. So it's all cyclical. It all ties together. And until they can figure that out, playing on the defensive side of the puck, you're not going to see anything change. Yeah. Uh, quick stack correction, Meth. You were right. The Ottawa Senators, we got to give them their flowers when they deserve it. No longer 32nd in the league in penalty kill percentage. They are 31st. Uh, San Jose, when you give up seven, your penalty kill is probably going to struggle there. So that'll happen. Fair enough. Um, so you were right there. But I do want to uh, ask you about this and uh, maybe how the player dyna- player coach dynamic is here. So the Ottawa Senators go into the third period, second intermission of last game against the Flames, up 3-2. Brady yeah. Chuck is doing the intermission uh, interview, and he says, hey, we got a chance to show our maturity right now. We got a lead up against a decent team on the road in Calgary. We have a chance to show what this team is made of. They ultimately allow four unanswered goals and lose 6-3. to three. Then after that, Jacques Martin says in his presser, hey, these players need to kind of figure out how, how to be a man. Like that was his quote that we kind of latched on was be a man. And mm. Do players, when things are bad like this and um, they still have to face the music with the media, are the guys tuning in to the coach press conferences after and being like, what is our coach saying about us? And are, are they kind of looking at that as – you know, either criticism or uh, something to build on, or I guess really what I'm asking is when you're down bad like this, are players watching what the coaches are saying, not behind their back, but to the, without them there to the media and stuff. And is that creating any sort of dynamic or is it just, I don't care what the coach says to the media. I'm just going to focus on what's going on in the locker room. I mean, they might, they might, they might verbalize that to somebody that they don't care, but they care. Of course they care. I mean, it's that your it's your, your head coach and, your head coach has control over your minutes, how you play, whether you're playing or not. You value his opinion more than probably anybody else's outside of your maybe your teammates. So, yeah, I mean, and 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 are they all sitting on the plane after a game or in the bus rather, you know, with their heads down watching the press conference? No. But all those notable quotes pop up in their news feeds you know if family members are watching it or you know maybe mom and dad maybe dad's calling them and having a conversation with them and saying you know coach mentioned this and this you know blah 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 like you're my, my point is you're very much aware of what the coach is saying whether you're tuning in in that moment or not so uh, you know you talk about Brady and his comments after that second period I mean that's 
you know, and, and then Jacques following it up at the, after the game saying about being a man. I, I, I understand what he's trying to say. He's just saying, like, it's, it's, it's about ownership. And yeah. it's not suggesting that only men can own up to it. It's just a figure of speech. And he's suggesting, guys, come on, like, it's time to pull it together here. Let's go. And, and you have to take ownership. You have to accept that responsibility because no one's going to do it for you. And that's something we always say. And that's, that's always why I always, I always disliked those player-only meetings because it's like, you know deep down internally if you're doing your job or not. Yeah. And you also are very – And the other guys know too who's doing the yeah, job. Yeah, like there's no yeah. secrets. I get it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's okay to have your captain address the group and maybe say a few words. But I think as a player, you know when you're struggling. You know when you made a mistake on the ice or maybe you cost your team a goal. Um, it's 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 how you adapt and adjust to that. Like, you know, and, and eliminating that mistake moving forward. Okay, maybe, maybe next time when I come around the net, I'm not going to force a pass up the middle if it's not there. I'm going to make the safer play. You know, that safer play, sometimes as a forward, you know, getting chipping the puck out, maybe that's not a play you enjoy doing because a lot of these guys want their cookies. They want to score goals and get points. But... The league is bigger than that, and you ex- you get exposed in the NHL or in any high-level pro sport for carrying that mentality. It's about playing for the team, and you will never look good on an individual level if you're losing games and not playing for the team. So, and and you can't fool anybody. Everyone's paying attention to it. You know that turnover you made, or maybe that forced sauce pass in the offensive zone instead of maybe chipping it behind the defenseman. People take note of that, and when it starts happening more and more, then you become a problem. And when you become a problem and you're not correcting your game, that's when you get shipped out. And I think players know that. I'm just surprised that we're not seeing adjustments on the fly yet. Like, I'm surprised that we haven't seen any particular player really take over a game, or at least a line. You'd think they'd be very motivated now with the new coaching staff and a looming trade deadline in, you know, ever however many days. Like, it's like at some point something's got to give. So, again, I, for fans... I hate going around in circles and repeating myself, but I'm, I'm running out of material here. I mean, it's just the same old, same old. They're just losing games now. Well, no doubt. And and you think back like uh, in, in Sweden, I think it was the last time where I said, wow, to, to a specific play where Timmy had that spinorama pass back door right on Brady's tape and they sure. put it in. Like I, I, I haven't seen, and maybe I'm just misremembering, but I haven't seen like a highlight real goal for this Ottawa Senators team over the last number of, uh, of weeks, Matt. And we appreciate you always joining us on the show and, and helping us, whether it's, you know, uh, a win streak or a losing streak, like it is right now, it's uh, a voice of reason that we really need. Cause we were, uh, we were getting, uh, you know, pretty down on ourselves uh, over the last while. We've been spinning the tankathon uh, meter on the postcast, and we'll have a postcast again tonight after the game in Buffalo. The two most disappointing teams in the National Hockey League, the Buffalo Sabers, yeah. are seventeen twenty and four, so win percentage wise, barely ahead of the Ottawa Senators, who are sitting at fourteen twenty two and oh, the only team in the National Hockey League without a loser point. So for more on this game, join us tonight in the postcast afterwards. Meth, when are we going to be able to see you back on TSN? Uh, Saturday, the 4 p.m. against San Jose. Big tilt against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, but no, I, I to, just to touch on what you guys just said there, Ross, you guys are doing a great thing. I mean, I, I know I mentioned it to you yesterday. I was in, or no, a couple days ago, I was in Kempville, had a meeting with a realtor out there, and we were at Shoeless Joe's. And a uh, nice little sports bar, and, and uh, one of the one of the waiters came up and talked to us, was shooting the shit with us for a little bit, and was adamant that he never misses a show. He's always watching <laughs> you guys. Uh, he's a huge fan of the Lockdown product. So you guys have fans everywhere. It's very impressive. So congratulations. Keep doing what you're doing. 
Hey, shout out, uh, shout out Shoeless Joe's in Kempville. Love that. Absolutely love that. And uh, yeah, we're already looking forward to the next time because I'm just scratching the surface with the kind of questions I've got uh, for you and with your experience in this. And hey, they've got the Habs next week. You, you're going to put on a Habs jersey too, man? Like where does <laughs> no, it end? I, I feel like the Toronto one jinxed everything. So not that I necessarily believe in that, but no, I, I think um, I'll come on. We'll maybe hop on and get a date next week here and shoot it again and see if the team's changed at all. But uh, yeah, it's it's time to put some wins together. It certainly is. The Senators home after tonight, and you will be able to catch Mark Mathot on the TSN broadcast. Four o'clock puck drop against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, I think the power play is going to be important in that game, as we just mentioned. 31st ranked penalty kill against 32nd. And the uh, Sharks have lost 12 games in a row. But first, the Senators have the Buffalo Sabres right in front of them. Thank you for watching today's show. For Mark Mathot, that's Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. <laughs>